listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show host and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. And now, here's your hosts. Welcome back, everyone, to a long-awaited episode of the Red Wave Report. I am Lucio Reek, your host and producer of the show, and joining me today is none other than my co-host, Mr. Lorenzo Reyna. Lorenzo, how are you doing today? This music is catchy. I started doing the swing dance to it. <laughs> well, you know, we got to keep things lively. We got to keep things lively because, you know, Fresno State is, what, about a week and a half away from kickoff? Yes, you know what? We are actually about 11 days away from kickoff. Yeah, and so things are starting to kind of ratchet up. I just came back from practice today to take a look and see what was going on out there. And, uh, well, you know, I, I'm ready for kickoff. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if the Bulldogs are ready. I mean, it, it's just, it's been, from what we've been seeing, it's just been kind of a hit and miss as far as I'm concerned. Well, I do have to ask this question. You've, um, you're obviously well-versed with um, what goes on at Fresno State. You've been able to go to the scrimmages and practices. I mean, what's your overall sense? Do you feel like that there is some signs of improvement? Do you feel like that this team is ready for Nebraska, or is it still kind of up in the air? How about yes and no? Um, if Overall, from last year to this year, there is a drastic improvement across the board. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, as far as offense and defense, the defense right now is way ahead of the offense. Um, and so, you know, the, the couple of scrimmages I've watched, it, it kind of hasn't been able to kind of help me kind of gauge where the offense is because either the defense is really good or the offense is really bad, and I really can't put a finger on it yet. Uh, yeah, and you know what? That's the other thing, too. It's like, I mean, obviously I haven't been out there as much compared to you and Jackson, and you guys have been doing an outstanding job of staying on top of the practices, getting the feel of what's going on, and then keeping our subscribers on the bark board pretty happy as well, even though a lot of them kind of are hit and miss. <laughs> well, <laughs> but you know what? Yeah, but you know what? I mean... This whole thing about the defense doing well versus Fresno State's offense, I mean, you know what? I'm with you. I'm with you as well because it's one thing to look good in practice, but it's completely different when you look good against, say, a Nebraska, a Wisconsin, a Boise State, a San Jose State, a San Diego State. There's still that difference. I mean, unfortunately, you can't practice against those aforementioned teams. You have to look good in front of your own guys and – you know, I've seen this before, too. In fact, this was during my time at the Collegian where there were practices where Fresno State's defense got the better end of the offense, but yet Fresno State statistically still ranked near the bottom of the Western Athletic Conference. So to me, it's like it's one of those things where I really can't get too excited about that. And I guess it's the same thing on your end. Well, it's just it's hard for me to gauge where, where the team is. I mean, uh, defensively, uh, right now, if I had to pick a position that's it's pretty much been shining all fall, uh, you know, all fall camp, it, it's going to be the, the the DBs, the cornerbacks. They mm. have been showing up to every practice. Uh, they've consistently made big plays, interceptions, uh, and you know have made just a tremendous strides uh, from where they were last year. And uh, this was a unit that also lost some key players, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, they lost some key players, but it looks like they reloaded the, you know, the, you know, restocked the shelves because not only do they, their starters that are going to be going into the first week, uh, you know, are, are good, but the guys behind them, there's depth, there's good talent right behind them. Uh, I mean, take for instance, Juju Hughes, Juwan Hughes from Hanford. He yes. has been showing up to every practice, and at one point he was making an interception, uh, at least one interception a day for for like five days in a row, and he's been making big plays. So he is pretty much, from what I can tell, he's leapfrogging some of the depth chart and making his way up. So you would actually say, you would actually go on a limb and say that Juju Hughes might actually see some playing time this I, in Fresno State's first game, then, I, right? I wouldn't. I would not put it past him. Um, he is fighting for a spot to be on the plane to head over to Nebraska. Um, and you know, at, when we posed the question to Coach Weber as to, um, you know, would he consider playing true freshman or is that out of the question? Coach Weber's, you know, response was the best player will play. So if Hughes continues to, you know, just show up and and continue to make big plays. He's going to find his way out onto the field sooner rather than later. That's an old cliche from coaches. The best player will play. It's kind of like how it is when it comes to radio show hosts. The best voice <laughs> will get airtime. Right? But I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, though, Hughes, if he continues to play like that, he is going to force Coach Webb's hand. You know, yeah. I mean, it's and, and I'm I'm all for. And here's the thing: you you saw it last year too. Fresno State has had difficulty with forcing turnovers. When Tim DeRuiter came in during the first two seasons, Fresno State was on fire when it came to forcing takeaways. And it seems like that element has been lost. Well, you get a guy like Hughes. I mean, I got a chance to watch Hughes a little bit during his high school years at Hanford. And the guy just has a nose for the football. I mean, he plays as if he's like a golden retriever or German shepherd chasing a Frisbee. And so... You want those guys on your defensive side of the football, particularly in the secondary. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's nice to have hard hitters, but, you know, if you get a guy who can force two interceptions, three interceptions per game, or even just get one interception consistently week in and week out, you damn right I want that guy in my secondary. And, and you know what? It, it, things, things don't stop there. I mean, the, the middle the, the linebacking core is pretty solid. The the safeties are uh, they look like they're starting to come together, and and then you've got the defensive line who is, you know, I, I would say uh, far ahead of where they were last year. I mean, they have got some some key players in there that are going to make some plays, and uh, and and for once they've got some size to them. So it, it, the defense, you know, for all intents and purposes, maybe they are that good, but I really can't tell. Yeah, but I do want to ask you this question because it is a transition period with Fresno State learning a little bit more from Lawrence Award. Do you get the sense that Fresno State's defenders are already used to Ward and they're already responding in the way that Ward wants them to respond? Um, yeah, I mean, he is getting these players to to respond exactly the way he wants them. And, and you know what? You, you talk to the players – they absolutely love him. So uh, they, you know, if the players love the coach, they're going to play that much harder for him. And exactly, he is getting that effort out of the players. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see exactly what they're going to do 
when that when they head over to Nebraska and and play those Huskers. I mean, you know, it, it almost gives me the sense that if Fresno State truly, truly has any kind of hope against Nebraska or any kind of hope heading into the Mountain West slate, it's probably going to be through the defense. I mean, that's what it's starting to sound like. But again, it goes back to what I was saying. It's like it sounds like per reports that Fresno State's defense has gotten the better end of the offense. Well, I unfortunately have seen this before, and now it's like, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to hesitate about actually trying to, like, get excited about it. Well, I can hear your bulldog in the background. You know, he's trying to chime in and, and, and tell you exactly yeah, how he feels. Yeah, he's telling me that, you know what, uh, don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. <laughs> well, you know. Um, you go for Frizzles. You go for the bulldog. <laughs> in order for the bulldogs to even have a chance at Nebraska, the defense is going to have to step up. And they're going to have to keep this game close in order for the offense to, you know, gain some confidence and actually put something together. Uh, now, in order for that to happen, the offense is actually going to have to uh, to make a play at some point. And I'm not too sure if they're going to be able to do that yet because I haven't really seen that out of the, the team yet. So in, or, in order for the offense to actually do anything, they're going to have to kind of figure things out. And it's all going to start off at the quarterback position. And mm-hmm. that has been a spot that over the last two to three years has been a patchwork at play, you know, to say, to say it nicely. And the, the question is, is it going to be one quarterback? Is it going to be two? Is it going to be three that's going to show up at Nebraska? Well, who knows? Um, I'm, I'm starting to get this notion that they might rotate some guys. Well, uh, according to the offensive coordinator, <laughs> his, his thing is he wants to settle on a quarterback this week. Um, heading uh, heading into the actual, you know, because they're they're pretty much implementing what they're going to do against Nebraska as we speak. I mean, right now. So his his notion is he wants to settle on a quarterback now, and then figure out who's going to be the second string quarterback and stick with one quarterback and live and die by that quarterback. So. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that's going to be the case, or if they're going to fall back on that, because that I heard the same thing last year at one point, and what happened? They ended up using what four quarterbacks? Yeah, it was like they had open tryouts for quarterback at Fresno State last year. So you know, the question is, who's going to be the starter? Well, according to what we've been seeing, it looks like it's going to be Virgil. Virgil has got the lead, um, and. Second string, I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of uh, up in the air on that one, to tell you the truth. But mm-hmm. I, I think Davis is going to land in the fourth position, and he is going to be uh, redshirting this season. But then that leaves you with Klein and uh, Rossi. Well, Klein has done enough to take that second position, but Rossi is getting stronger day by day. So, and I'm not, I'm not really surprised to to hear about the work ethic with Christian Rossi because I got a chance to watch him play at Clovis North, and the guy was just a huge, huge gamer. I mean, just the way he was able to make plays under duress, the way he was able to step up against challenges and just rally the people around him. Now, people can argue, well, Clovis North had a lot of talent. Well, yeah, that's true, but you know, you still need that fiery, emotional leader at quarterback, and Rossi was that guy. So, I mean. 
Yeah, there was the um, the issue about Rossi wasn't all that highly recruited coming out of high school. Well, keep in mind, Rossi's real interest was baseball, but then he had that itch to go back to football. And now you're starting to see the results that the guy is still has that fire. He still has that same instinctive side to him. Yeah, and... Um and, and and for some of you out there who are kind of wondering why we haven't mentioned another quarterback name, uh, Kilton Anderson, well, he has, since our last show, he has since left the program. So he is no longer in the quarterback race at Fresno State. So now Fresno State has four quarterbacks, and that's how they're going to try to figure things out. So Kilton Anderson has moved on. So... You know, that, that kind of alleviates... And we kind of called it, too. Yeah, I mean, we could see it happening. I mean, with that much talent on the quarterback at the quarterback position, something had to give. One of these guys was probably... We had the feeling that one of these guys was going to leave before the end of the year. I still have the feeling that maybe one more quarterback is going to leave uh, by the end of the year. So it's just a matter of who's it going to be. And it all depends on how this season turns out. And, you know, this is common. This is common. I mean, this isn't like a Fresno State thing. This happens virtually anywhere across America at different four-year universities, especially at the D1 level. Sometimes your program gets four or five quarterbacks, sometimes even six quarterbacks. Well, unfortunately, not not all six of them are going to be happy. You're always going to have that one or two guys who are going to look at maybe seeing which, which grass is a lot more greener. I mean – Look at the case of Kelton Anderson. You look at the case of Zach Greenlee. And, you know, there's been countless of quarterbacks at different places like USC, UCLA, Utah, Washington. And you can also mention, like, some of the mid-majors as well. It's like, you know, this is a common thing when you get so many quarterbacks on one on one roster. And, and you know, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Zach Greenlee. Uh, if you've been paying attention lately, um, reports coming out of UTEP where Greenlee transferred to, uh, is that Greenlee has been named the starter for UTEP. So mm-hmm. so it, it, it goes to show you that Greenlee, once he focuses, he can put something together. So He needed that change of scenery. I think that's what it amounts to because it's pretty obvious, and you saw it yourself, Lucio. Fresno State, the city of Fresno, wasn't working out for Greenlee. No, no, it, it wasn't. And, and uh, after a while, it just seemed like everybody turned against him at one point or another, but... You know, that's how that's how the fan base is sometimes. Here's a tough question for you. Do you feel like that? I mean, who do you think had it worse, Tom Branstader or Zach Greenlee? Um, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's going to be Greenlee. Um, Yes. I mean, Branstader had that uh, that 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 one season where it was going between him and someone else, but Sean Norton. By yeah, Sean Norton. But by the, by his second season, he he was able to pretty much, uh, you know, put all doubt out of out of everybody's mind that he was the starting quarterback. Uh, and he's in a second year. Greenlee was unable to do that with multiple shots at the helm, and he still wasn't able to you know to to efficiently take the starting role over. Which ultimately led to him leaving the program. So, and you know, here's another thing too. When I look back at it, Branstader was a guy I covered years ago when I got my feet wet at the Collegian. When that was my first taste of covering Fresno State, and I recall the amount of backlash that Branstader had. I mean, if the guy were to show up at Doghouse <laughs> Grill, he would either get booed or people just wouldn't want to talk to him. But you know, 
Brent Stater's career actually has a lot more accolades compared to Greenlee. I just, to me, I look at Greenlee's Fresno State career as something along the lines of maybe he just couldn't handle the expectations or demands of being a Fresno State quarterback and he needed to venture out. Yeah, and and uh, for Greenlee, a change of uh, scenery was probably the best, uh, uh, especially after his uh, you know his legal issues that he had. Um, it kind of left a bad taste in the fan base, which you know uh, led to him pretty much moving on. Which Move, was probably it was it was probably the best thing for him: uh, a change of scenery and a fresh start. For green, you know, so. and here's another thing too is like I'm sure you remember the name Avon Feathers. Avon Feathers was a highly touted local prospect from the Fresno area, and the real story with Feathers was that he had a hard time grasping the playbook. He wasn't getting it done academically. The best thing to happen to Feathers' career was to go to Ventura College and rejuvenate himself. Yeah, yeah, and and that and that's just something that happens with a lot of with a lot of these players. I mean. If if you hadn't got a chance uh, and to check out this program that I, I talked to you about the other day, uh, uh, what is it? Last Chance You on Netflix. Yes, and I've been wanting to watch it. I've been trying to upload, re-upload my Netflix. I, I tell you, if you have not watched Last Chance You on Netflix, give it a chance. It is it it basically gives you behind scene behind the scenes look at what happens at these JUCO colleges and what the athletes what's going through these athletes' minds. And you, you'll, you'll, some of you will be surprised, and some of you will not be shocked at all. So, it, it, I found myself watching it like, as if it was a train wreck. I couldn't get, you know, I couldn't keep my eyes off of it. So, give it a chance. Last chance, you on Netflix. But, yeah, I've been wanting to watch that for a while, and as it is, Luke Cage is coming out, and I want to make sure I watch Luke Cage. <laughs> but back to the Bulldogs. Now, not only are the you know the Bulldogs struggling with the quarterback position. But they are also they've been having a number of problems at the running back position, so much so that they have been decimated by injuries, and uh, it, pretty much their top three running backs were were gone for a long period of time, which left three I believe it was three walk ons and one player on scholarship to play at the running back position, uh, Dejounte O'Neal, who and just him, earned yeah. his scholarship. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that DeJounte O'Neal was actually a walk-on before earning his full-time scholarship. And now you have to wonder if he's going to be the full-time guy. But, you know, after being at today's practice, there is a a silver lining. One of those running backs that went out with an injury reported today's practice in full pads and um, was practicing, uh, and it looks like pretty much at full speed, uh, Dontel James. So... You know, he he's the junior out of uh, Fontana, California, and you know, he was he was slated to be picking up a lot of the the carries this year, and it looks like he might be back just in time for that Nebraska game. And that's good news because, you know, Fresno State, as you know, Lucio, they handed at going with more of a running approach compared to the spread offense, and when I saw these injuries piling up, I started thinking in the back of my mind that Fresno State might have to scrap the run first philosophy and go back to that spread approach. But now, with James looking like, according to you, back at full speed, full health, I mean, now it gives some it gives Fresno State a little bit more breathing room when it comes to implementing the running schemes against Nebraska. 
Yeah, and so it, it should help alleviate some of that pressure off the quarterback um, and, and, and give more depth back to a depleted running back position. And that's good news for Virgil because, as we saw, the last time we saw Virgil, he had his broken clavicle. And my other thinking was, how healthy is he from that? Now, I mean, according to you, he's looked pretty impressive in practice. Well, I mean, when you have a quarterback who's coming off that injury, I mean, the last thing you want to do is put him in a position where he has to throw the football 40 to 50 times a game, unless it's really needed. So, I mean, quality depth at running back and going with that run first philosophy, it's going to, to me, it's going to benefit Virgil in the long haul if he can stay healthy. Well, and that's the, the and that's the key. I mean, is is keeping him upright and healthy, uh, so that he he has the time to make those reads and make the proper uh, you know decision to throw the ball. Um, and and that all stems, you know, it all starts with the offensive line, which uh, I mean, I'll be honest, is another sore subject. Um, mm-hmm. Fresno State has lost a multiple number of offensive linemen to injuries uh, and to other issues and at one point had to pull over uh, one to two players from the defensive line to help fill the void to to add depth to the offensive line so if too many of these players go down this season they're going to be in a world of hurt and um, And so a Virgil yeah and so that's something they're going to need to figure out and uh, and figure out quickly as to uh, who's going to be on the depth chart as far as the offensive line is concerned would you say that this unit is going to be a very young, inexperienced unit? This offensive line. Um, you know what? Yes and no. I mean, there's some some of these guys that have been on the line have been in this program, you know, a couple, two to three years now, um, but they haven't seen some playing time. So it it all depends. It all it really just depends on who's filling that void and who's who's going to be in there because I. I I don't know. The guys with the experience seem to be the guys that are getting injured. So, oh boy. <laughs> so you you just might actually see somebody like an Isaiah Trevino, who is a backyard talent, who actually might actually get some playing time. Then you you know you might see him at one point or another. You know I would not be surprised if they did this offensive line by committee and just keep rotating guys in and out to keep them fresh, uh, which would also give them experience at least for the first couple of games until they can get a feel for um, who should stay in there all the time. And, you know, guys like Trevino just might see some playing time uh, sooner rather than later, just, you know, because of depth-wise. It's just, it's been a nightmare all season, uh, all fall camp long, just to try to keep these guys healthy. And it seems like every time we turn around, there's another, you know, lineman out with with a minor injury that will be back. But just, you know, they keep him out of practice for one day just just so that he can heal. I mean, it's just it's an ongoing thing. And when you have that kind of thing going on all the time, it's kind of hard to build chemistry along the offensive line, don't you think? I mean, absolutely. And you know what? Here's the thing. We could talk about needing to get settled at quarterback, needing to get settled at that running back. You still have to get settled at the offensive line. And to me, you have to be more settled there than the aforementioned positions because, I mean, if you have five inexperienced guys, if you have five guys who are battered, injured, or whatever, it's not going to be good news for your running back or quarterbacks. And as we all know, it's like you don't have an offensive line, you're not going to get any blocking, and your quarterback's going to be on the ground 80 times a year. Yeah, and and so – Building, I, I believe, building the chemistry on that offensive line is going to be key this year. I mean, they're going to have to do something in order to 
not only to keep the quarterback in an upright position, but to open up those holes for that running back, which is going to need some help until some of these, you know, some of the more talented guys heal up. And, you know, so it's going to be it's going to be a patchwork in progress all season long until they can get it figured out. Um, now, as far as the wide receivers are concerned, I, I no, I really don't know what's there because the, the quarterback play the last two seasons hasn't really been able to get that ball out to the receivers as often as I've been used to when Derek Carr was here. And as it is, it's like it seems like the most heavily hyped receiver on this Bulldog roster is a guy who didn't play as much last year, Aaron Peck. Well, Aaron Peck didn't play much last year. It was due to an injury. Um, mm-hmm. He was sidelined and wasn't able to play because of an injury that pretty much kept him out all season long. Um, and so he was able to come back this year. He is, according to him, according to coaches, he's 100%. He has looked a lot more impressive this season. He has not dropped as many balls as I have seen him in the past. But dropping balls in practice and dropping balls in a game is a different story. Um, because, you know, he may not drop them at practice, but, you know, in a game, you start hearing footsteps, you could drop it. So the first couple of games, we'll, I'll get a better read as to how um, how he Peck is doing as far as with all the drop balls that he's had. I, I'm with you. I'm going to give him four games. I'm going to give him four games just to see where he is progression-wise and if he truly does become Frizzle State's real number one option. And, you know, we could talk about how bad the quarterback play is. Well, I mean, if the quarterback play kicks in, then you still need a go-to receiver. You still need outstanding play from your receivers. And that, I mean, just like you, that's still a question mark on my end. Yeah, and so it's it all depends. It looks like they're going to live and die with Peck this season unless one of the other quarter uh, other wide receivers step up i mean you've got hardaway i mean you've got you've got i believe there's talent on the often on the on the wide receiver core but i just don't know what kind of talent yet because until the quarterbacks get them in a position to where they can make plays uh it's kind of up in the air i mean i've got to see more in order to make a better judgment on the wide receivers mm-hmm. um but moving on to the next position on offense, that would be the tight ends. Now I'm I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to go out. I'm going to tell you right now, the tight ends look like they are going to be more involved in the offense this year, and they are so much more improved this year than what they were last year. I mean, they better make good use of the tight end because it's almost as if they brought in Joe Bernardi for nothing. It's like you brought him in for a reason to develop these tight ends. And no, I'll tell you right now, Bernardi has been the bright spot of everything he gets down and dirty with these uh, tight ends and uh if they make a mistake he lets them know and it's it's kind of fun to watch bernardi at, at work because he brings in energy and and he's got he's he has these tight ends you know buying into what he's trying to to accomplish and you know here's the thing it's like i mean i could go back again to like my early start and Bernardi was like the one guy I loved watching during practices. I mean, he just had a lot of energy. He was a good leader. If the offense was screwing up, he let it be known. He got the guys huddled together, and he let it be known. We gotta, we gotta get get it together. We gotta have a lot more fire. So it sounded like that he's picking up from where he left off from his playing days. Now, in in order to kind of help with the offensive line deficiencies, I would not be surprised to see two tight end, maybe even three tight end sets. Uh, to help alleviate with the running game uh, at some points mm-hmm. during the season. 
I mean, the, they've got depth at tight end, a lot more depth than I have seen in years. And it's needed because, you know, again, we go back to Fresno State wanting to be more of a downhill running running team once again. And, you know, your tight ends are still needed, not just for the blocking purposes, but in the play action, you can have that sneaky tight end who acts like he's blocking, but then breaks off and runs like an out route or whatever. Yeah, and, and so, you know... I, I I see the maybe the tight ends getting a, a few more passes this year than they have the last couple of years. I mean, it's mm-hmm. been, it, you know. And the thing is, is like, I mean, I can't think of a tight end who was really prominent since Bear Pasco, and Bear Pasco had a lot of success at Fresno State. Yeah, and and but you know they've always been able to use the tight ends in a passing game in in the Pat Hill era, but mm-hmm. ever since the, you know Deruder has taken over. We haven't really seen much of the tight ends being involved as far as in the passing game. It's been more they've been more of a blocking and more of of a run type of tight end. Yeah, they're more like a, a six offensive lineman. Yeah, and, and but I, I expect to see a little bit of change in that department with with Eric Keesaw at the helm as far as the, for the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. I definitely see it too because I mean, as it is, Keyshaw was at two places, or most recently Alabama, and we saw Alabama last year. They know how to use the tight end. They use the tight end really well against Clemson. Yeah, and so I expect to see a little bit more out of the tight end position. You know, I could be wrong, but in my opinion, I think the tight ends are going to be more involved this year. I think so, too. I mean, here's the thing. We we can't really give away, like, what plays they're going to run. I mean, that'd be kind of unethical for us. But, you know, we get more of a general idea of what they're trying to do, just judging by what they tell us in practice. I mean, yeah, do you have those coaches who might dance around a question? And I know that's happened in the past, like at different Fresno State practices. I'm sure you ran into it. But, you know, judging by by what I've been seeing at the Barkboard videos, judging by what I've been reading about, it's sounding more and more like that all sides are pointing toward a new dynamic of this offense. I, you know, and I can see it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a total kind of different change in philosophy. And, it, you know, it, it could be an interesting offense. Uh, the question is whether or not they're going to be able to put it together in time. Because, like I said, right now, the defense is way ahead of the offense. So either the defense mm-hmm. is really good or the offense is really bad. So That seems like the theme, the theme of the show. <laughs> is the offense that bad or is the defense really good? I mean, so, <laughs> I, you know... I, it's. I don't know if it's a good problem to have. I mean, if it was just down the middle and you know neither team, neither side was making plays, then I'd say, well, it's going to be one of those years. But mm-hmm. the defense has been showing up and playing really well. So you know, there's hope that the defense will be able to kind of help carry the 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 team in the early part of the season until the offense can catch up. Well, I mean, here's the thing. It's like if the defense truly, truly is on its game and emerges as one of the best in the Mountain West, the the other crucial part is that you have to have at least a very strong running game because any team, and I'm sure you've seen this in the NFL over the years, any team with a legit lights-out defense usually has a pretty stout running game. Yeah, yeah, and so I'm uh, <laughs> in the running game is very uh... – no. Yeah, there's, there's still that question mark. <laughs> it's a, it's suspect at the moment. It's kind of MIA, so we'll kind of have to figure that one out as, uh, we'll, as time goes We'll figure goes out on. if it's if it's no longer MIA against Nebraska. Yeah, and, and that'll that'll give us a better sense of what's going on with the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. So you know, Lorenzo, is there anything else 
you know, other than what the Bulldogs have been doing. On you know what? We do right have to address something that involves Nebraska now. This Fresno State Nebraska game, it was actually supposed to be the first game for Nebraska wide receiver coach Keith Williams against a team he used to coach, Fresno State. Well, there's now been a development, and this happened actually about three to four days ago. Keith Williams suspended for the first four games of the season, and it's stemming from his latest DUI arrest. Now, if anybody has been monitoring the Keith Williams situation, this is now his third DUI arrest, which likely means suspended license. It's suspended license and, and, and could possibly mean some jail time. So, I mean, when, when you start having this happen more times over and over and over, uh, the law kind of steps in and, and kind of makes the decision for you. They'll they'll either give you some jail time, or they'll also make you go into into rehab. So, uh, I think in the case, I wouldn't doubt. Now, granted, we're not in Lincoln; we don't know half of what's going on. I wouldn't doubt that Mike Riley is probably going to force Williams to go into rehab. And my whole thinking now is: is Williams even going to coach this season? Even though it says four game suspension, because here's the thing. It's one thing to have one DUI arrest, but three all together, that's three strikes and you're out. Yeah, and, and if that was in California, it, it, he probably would have had bigger issues. Uh, California's yeah, I don't know how it works in Nebraska. I mean, we don't know how it works in Nebraska, but still, three three DUIs is three DUIs. Yeah, California, uh, things are a little bit more more stringent, so I don't know how they do how the, the law works over there in Nebraska. So it, it could be different, but... Uh, he, you know, he could start off with a four-game suspension, and uh, by the end of the fourth game, there could be other consequences. We don't know. We're not going to speculate on on what's going to happen with him, but it is the fact that he will not be on the sidelines uh, coaching against the team that he pretty, you know, he left from to go coach at. I mean, here's here's the thing. It's like. I do happen to know Keith Williams from my time when he was at Fresno State and my time in my early years as a sports journalist. And, you know, the thing with Williams is that he always had this energy about him that just was infectious. And, you know, players loved playing for him. The media loved talking to him. And, you know, I mean, I I hope in Keith Williams' end, he not only realizes his mistakes, but I hope he spends more time getting help. I hope he spends more time getting help and getting the treatment that he needs to get rid of this this whole this whole thing, this whole drinking issue that he has. If anything, they should be, you know, after his suspension, say, look, you need to go in and get some help. You need to yeah. do this or or maybe doing it while he's on, you know, while he's suspended. It, it's something that they're they're probably going to look into. Yeah, and you know, in the case of Keith Williams, I happen to know him real well from my time at Fresno State and when he was there. Keith Williams had this kind of infectious attitude that the players loved to to just be around, and the media loved talking to him. So I hope in the case of Keith Williams, instead of, I mean, there's, there's things that become bigger than football and getting treatment Doing the right things; those are two two huge attributes that you gotta have. And so, I hope in the case of Keith Williams, he spends more time getting the much needed help that he needs. Yeah, and and we you know we never wish ill will on anyone. We hope that he's able to get the help that he needs in order to kind of uh, you know help you know 
get his life back on track because it's not something that you want to continue doing over and over as far as the DUIs and stuff like that. And and not only is it going to hurt him or it could end up hurting someone else, but it's going to hurt his career um, because once the word gets out, it's just going to be that much harder for him. And as it is, it's like, I mean, I don't know if Riley's going to keep him on his staff. I mean, that's up to Riley and Nebraska to decide. But unfortunately, where, wherever Williams goes, unfortunately, those DUI arrests are going to carry with him. So he has to convince people, I'm clean. Yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, uh, we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that. Maybe there's something later on we'll be able to report a little more on it. But but you know what, Lorenzo, before we get off, I mean, there's, there's an event that's going to be happening this Thursday night. And it's going to be over at Campus Point. Um, over by Fresno State, near the Fresno, uh, you know, near the Save Mart Center. For those of you who don't know, that Campus Point is a new shopping complex over by Fresno State. It's really nice too. And there's going to be a an event there, August 25th, Thursday evening, from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. Um, and they're calling it the Three Happy Hours, Happy Three Hours. <laughs> and it's, oh, and it sounds like a, a <laughs> I hope, but you might know a little bit more about it. <laughs> well, it's Meet the Team. And so, um, you know, you'll get a chance to meet the team out there, get autographs. um, And also, you know, the the Fresno State marching band is going to be out there and the cheerleaders time out. There's going to be raffles. Uh, The coaches will also be there. And, uh, you know, all the various shops and uh, restaurants around there are going to have specials during those three hours for that, uh, you know, for that meetup. So... Mm -hmm. You know, there's going to be, I guess, I guess you can call it happy hour, you know, specials going on out there. So you could slam with timeout. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It's funny because you mentioned this, and I guess they had a flyer that had Pat Hill's face on there, but not Tim DeRuiter. Well, you know, it, it, the the funny thing, you know, since you mentioned Pat Hill, I was out at practice today. Pat Hill himself is the one who gave me the flyer for that event. Oh, okay. Uh, it seems so he's like promoted, then. well, it seems like Pat Hill is spearheading this meet the team because if you remember back in the Pat Hill days, there was a lot more of this going on as far as meeting the team, getting autographs. You know, there was events like this that always happened. And but, you know, it, all jokes aside, I will say this: this is a smart tactic on Fresno State's end because the interest level for Fresno State football waned last year. And it happens when you go three and nine or two and ten or four and eight. So Fresno State is trying to go about whatever means to regenerate the interest in the community. Well, in in the funny thing is is you know Pat Hill himself. He you know he was talking and he was saying that it was big back then, and he just wants to bring that back and and make it you know revitalize the whole thing. So he is pretty much spearheading it. Getting out there, getting it known to everyone that this is happening. He wants to, you know, get the community involved again. And so, you know, kudos to Pat Hill to to try and and do something like this. Mm-hmm. And you know, another thing uh, is that there's uh, during though that hour those that time, um, Fresno State football tickets will be on sale. It's going to be a two for one. So you buy, you know, you buy two tickets for the price of one for the for the football tickets. So, you know, here's your chance if you haven't bought tickets uh, now to go ahead and go out and get them at a discounted rate. So, you know, it might be worth your while to head out there, get some dinner, meet the team, listen to the marching band, you know, get autographs, you know, all that stuff. You know, it's, it's your opportunity to go do that now. 
Sounds like something I need to hit up. <laughs> well, you're going to need to come to town to do that one. Yeah, I won't be in town until September, though. So Yeah, yeah. but, uh, you know, that being said, I think we're just going to go ahead and start, you know, start wrapping it up. I mean, it's been a good show. Next week, we're going to start uh, kind of diving in a little bit more with uh, hey, you know, key matchups. Next week, next week, we can also get some guests on the show. I know uh, we've had some people at the Visalia Times Delta who have been interested in coming on the Red Wave Report. Um might even tap into some of our colleagues in the Fresno media field to get on the show, get their thoughts on this upcoming matchup against Nebraska. Maybe even try to uh, ring in Jackson Moore. I mean, I know Jackson's been pretty busy with trying to keep Fresno State up to, up to the minute, updated, and you know, yeah, we're I, definitely gonna we're definitely gonna dive into that. Yeah, and if anything. Um uh, with our premium podcast, we're, we're going to try to put another one of those together. Uh, Jackson will be attending those. Oh, you know, there was another event. You know, this is a Barkboard event. I almost forgot about this one. If you are a premium member or if you're not a premium member, we are starting our premium chats now. And uh, there's going to be a premium chat tomorrow night uh, at 7 o'clock. And I will be providing the link to that chat on our premium boards. So if you're not a premium subscriber, now's your chance Become a premium subscriber because during these premium chats, uh, Jackson and I and, you know, everybody, all the premium uh, listeners, premium subscribers get a chance to talk uh, about things that aren't necessarily otherwise released to the general public. Mm -hmm. So it's your chance now. So if you're not a premium subscriber, make sure you head on over and you can let your voice be heard. Yeah. get Get a premium subscription because here's your chance to get in on the action of some of our premium features. So we're having our premium chat tomorrow night at 7 p.m. So make sure you head uh, and check that out. Um, That being said, Lorenzo, I think that's going to wrap it up. But next week we'll be back again and we're going to go in depth uh, and kind of do a breakdown of Fresno State's matchup against Nebraska. And we're going to dive into what Nebraska does, who are the key players on Nebraska, just give you a preview of this matchup. Yeah, so we'll, we'll definitely dig into that. And I'm pretty sure I'm... You know, I'll, I'll let Lorenzo kind of do the research on Nebraska. He's, he's pretty good <laughs> at doing that stuff. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll also plan some more guests. Uh, I know Jackson has made some connections with former players, uh, Nico Moda. Uh, and also, um, it, it looks like uh, he's, he's picking up a couple other players that we'll mention uh, once, once he uh, makes that agreement with them. But it looks like we'll, we're going to start getting a, an influx of some of uh, uh, former f- fresno state bulldogs that might just be able to come on the podcast so we'll, we'll try and get that lined up so, so that being said lorenzo why don't you go ahead and let everyone know how they can find us at red wave report on twitter once again at red wave report twitter you're also welcome to follow me on twitter which is at lj underscore reina once again at lj underscore r-e-y-n-a and you know what after this we are one week away from kickoff Yes, one week away and ready for football. But you know what? High school football begins this week, so Lorenzo and I are going to start trying to head out to some of these high school games and and look after some of these recruits. So we're going to be busy either way. Um, yep. I mean, this is the time of year where I spend more time on a football field than I do at a bar and grill. <laughs> but that being said, make sure you head over to the Facebook page. There's a Red Wave Report Facebook page. And also, if you haven't done also, you know, like the Barkboard Facebook page as well. We've got one of those. 
and you know just head over to the bark board and get all your latest information on fresno state bulldogs so until next week enjoy your evening and we'll catch you next time